Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at First Baptist Hanford, and we are excited that you're joining us uh, today. Uh, We are continuing in this series called The Heart of Prayer and really looking at what it means for us to lean into prayer amid our anxiety in the world. Uh, As we are recording this, uh, it's Wednesday, so the day after the election. So currently our country still has no clue who the next president of the United States is going to be. Each side is pointing fingers at the other side, and the last thing many of us wanted was any sort of contested election. But what can I say? It kind of fits the narrative for the year 2020. Um, so all that to be said, maybe by the time you're listening to this or watching this, that uh, you, you do, uh, we do know who the president of our country is. But regardless, anxiety, at least in this moment, kind of continues to creep in. And that's really what we're looking at here. We're unsettled, we're worried, we're anxious, to which I would remind you the verses that we are viewing this series through, and specifically the Lord's Prayer through, uh, start in Philippians 4, verse 6. They say this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to take a second here, just a second, and I just want to, I want to pray one more time to just kind of set the morning. Um, pray that really, really uh, our country can continue to move forward. Our con- country can continue to try to figure out what unity amongst itself looks like, and I believe that that begins with unity within the church. So why don't you pray with me right now as we pray for our country? <sighs> Heavenly Father, we, uh, God, our whole country is, is anxious. There's people on both sides of the aisle who are worried, who are upset, who are fearful. God, I just pray right now that uh, the church would be the impetus for reconciliation amongst our nation. that we would be able to set a standard, we would be able to set a tone for what it looks like to be united, for what it looks like to be at peace in the midst of turmoil. Because God, we recognize that when, when a nation is divided, it needs the church to be unified. And so God, I pray that you would continue to unite our church, not just ours, but the global church, that we would recognize that, that first and foremost, you are on the throne, that you are in charge, that, that regardless of what happens this week in elections, regardless of what happens this week in our jobs, regardless of what happens this week uh, in schools or whatever it may be, God, that you're on the throne, that you're sovereign, that none of this surprises you at all. And so I pray that we would find peace in that, Father. God, go before us. Make make your church bold. Make your church united as we do our best to impact our community, impact our world for your kingdom, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, 
because as we, so as we continue to kind of keep our, our country and we're going to continue to keep our leaders in prayer and all that stuff, which should be something that we do all the time, uh, by the way, but we also need to just simply be in prayer. Well, the question is, why is it that we need to be in prayer? It's because Jesus told us to, and then he also taught us to in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. A lot of you are probably familiar with this. This is the Lord's Prayer. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, as we, ha- as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this week, as we kind of continue to consider our anxieties um, and how going to anxiety before going to prayer is sinful, we need to take a look at verse 10 specifically. Last week, we were up here, we looked at verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and how our anxieties really should be calmed by the fact that God is holy and he allows us to come to him like a loving and a caring father would, and nothing is beyond his control. So we should have peace because of the fact that God is sovereign in the same way that I just prayed. Okay? But today, we get to go back and we get to, we get to look at verse 10. As a reminder, here it is by itself. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because at first glance, this verse actually seems pretty obvious. Most of us have probably said this numerous times in our life. If you grew up in church... Maybe you said it at the end of service. Maybe you said it before dinner with your family. Maybe you opened up uh, or closed your, your quiet times in the morning or the evenings uh, with this prayer specifically. But we need to answer some questions about it. You know, the questions really do remain, what is God's kingdom and what does it mean at the end when it says on earth as it is in heaven? Okay, so what, is, what does that mean? And lastly, how does this verse help us combat our ability to remain level-headed and not allow our anxiety to be able to get the best of us. Especially amid this crazy week, amid this crazy year, amid everything that has gone on, uh, every, every health official in the United States is saying that depression and anxiety are way up from normal levels because of the craziness of this entire year and then compound the craziness of not knowing kind of the future direction of our country and anxiety really, really easily can build up inside of us. And so really we need to understand how this will help us combat that as well. So I want to start off with a little bit of a story. Many of you guys don't know this, uh, but I am an avid knitter. That's a lie. I've never knitted once in my life. I've never picked up sewing needles ever or knitting needles ever before in my life. But my grandma, I do remember, she used to crochet. Uh, She crocheted her grandkids, all of her grandkids, she crocheted them Afghans and gave them to them when they were born. I remember mine very, very uh, clearly. I had it on my bed for a long time until blankets were no longer okay or acceptable for 14-year-olds to bring to sleepovers, okay? And so I had mine forever. I think it's actually still at my mom's house, okay? I remember a time, uh, though, we were over at my grandma's house, um, and she was making a brand-new afghan for one of my younger cousins, okay? And, and as I as I walked in the door and I saw she was sitting in her chair uh, and, and just sitting there crocheting, going to town. But, but really that afghan at the time looked more like a scarf than anything. 
Okay? And, uh, and the two of us talked about it a little bit. I wanted to see how she was crocheting, how all these things happened and that sort of thing. She told me that she is just getting started. Wait and see what it is that it will look like. I was like, cool. So I waited and I saw, and you know, a couple weeks or months later, however long it was, uh, I remember seeing that Afghan completed for uh, my young cousin. Okay, so by the time she was born, there's this beautiful Afghan really just waiting for her to have for the rest of her life. So let's transition. The gospel talks about the kingdom of God. Okay, quite a bit. Your kingdom come. This is God's kingdom that we are talking about here. Okay, the Bible talks about it. The gospel talks about it a ton. Jesus compares it to a sower who is, uh, who is sowing seed. He compares it to yeast, le- uh, 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 leavening dough, a merchant buying pearls, a farmer plowing in the field. Tons of different metaphors are used, but all of them are in relatively simple terms for us to be able to understand what it is that the kingdom of God actually looks like. One of the things that I know about my grandma and her crafting, because she did all sorts of crafting, and this might be true of some of you as well. Okay, but she sewed clothes. She did uh, crocheting. Every time we were over, we did like different crafts with her and that sort of thing. It was just kind of her thing, what she did. Maybe some of you are the same way, right? Uh, uh, if you're a crafter out there, maybe you're, you're a knitter or a crochet or a DIYer, you know, for you men who are like, I've never picked up needles in my life to do anything. You know that the work is never done. If this is something you enjoy, apply it to gardening, right? Apply it to anything like that. You know that the work is never done. You do the work because it's something that you enjoy. You do the work because once you get one thing done, you get to continue and do more things. That's why it's a hobby. It's not just like it's a one-time project or or anything like that. So really, just because one project is finished doesn't mean that your work is done. It means one project is done and you begin to look at another one more closely. I can imagine the kingdom of God being kind of described in the same way if Jesus had walked the earth today, saying something like the kingdom of God is like a crafter. Starting one project and even when finishing, picks up another. Right? Because as Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, every single metaphor that he used likened it to something that was in process, not something that was completed. Something that was continually moving forward. The kingdom of God is already a reality among us in this world, but it's not yet complete. We all need to understand that. that the kingdom of God is already a re- reality among us in this world, but it's not yet complete. It's something that God is doing now, but it's, it won't be completed until the end of time. We live uh, kind of in this in-between time, this present and like this already happened, right? In God's future, hey, not yet. So we're in this weird, weird kind of time. So Jesus taught us to pray for that future, for that not yet, saying your kingdom come or my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, For us to pray to him, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, for example, the kingdom of God is like a sower, right? He went out to sow his seed in the the field and the seed fell on various types of ground. That seed fell onto good soil. It brought forth a ton of grain yielding a hundredfold and it was perfect. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like, like, like yeast a woman mixed in, in, in with three measures of flour until all the dough, dough was leavened. 
Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed that someone had sowed in a field. And when it grew, it became a large shrub. It became a tree in which the birds of the air came to make their nest. Jesus was saying that the kingdom of God is already a reality. In the same way that the yeast was already a part of the dough and the seed had already been been sown into the field and the mustard seed had already been, been planted, he's saying the kingdom of God is already reality, but it's not yet a complete reality. It hasn't finished. It's in process. So Jesus taught us to pray for the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Think about the unfinished things in your own life. As I think about the same things in my life, unresolved conflicts, right? Unhealed pain from the past, uncertainties about relationships maybe. Think about the things that worry you or the things that make you anxious, like concerns you have for your kids, concerns you have for your grandkids. Think about the unknowns in your future, the unknown and the unfinished things in our world, our reasons Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He was saying, hey, look, you need to take your lives, the the lives of those people that you love and the well-being of this world and place those things into the hands of God, trusting God for the future. Trusting God for the future. But what exactly did Jesus mean by kingdom? Right? The kingdom of God was actually central to Jesus' teaching. Incredibly important. In the Gospels, the word kingdom appears 123 times. Jesus himself uses the word 98 times. It's the heart of his message. Right? Jesus announced that God's kingdom, God's promised rule or his reign that was long awaited by the Jewish people Right? We talked about those Jews. We were walking through the Galatian series. This reign that was, that was long awaited by the Jewish people had now broken into history and his promise had begun. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the good news. That's what Jesus tells people. He didn't say, hey, the kingdom of God is when you die. He said, no, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom was present in Jesus and his ministry. As soon as he set foot onto this earth, the kingdom of God was here. To become part of that kingdom today, we need to respond to Jesus' message now. Immediately. But Jesus said the kingdom will also emerge in its fullness in the future. Remember, mustard seed to tree. Process. So not only is it here now, it also will be completed later. It's a work in progress. The kingdom of God, uh, it began in the life of Jesus. And the kingdom of God, it continues to spread in and through the lives of all of the people who follow him. But this world is still filled with suffering. It's filled with evil. It's filled with violence. It's filled with tons of anxiety. All of creation does not yet enjoy the fullness of God's presence. As God's people, our hope is for God's kingdom to come in its fullness and to come quickly. That's our prayer. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying about all those things in this world that aren't yet right. 
All those things in this world that aren't yet healed. All those things in this world that aren't yet whole. We're asking God to come free us from the sin, from the evil, from the brokenness that holds us all captive. That seems to force us towards anxiety. That seems to force us towards towards worry. We're asking God to come clean up the mess that we've made in this world. We're asking God to heal the pain and the conflict and free us from suffering and tragedy that really distort and destroy lives because of the sin nature that each and every one of us have. We're asking God to bring God's reign of love, of justice, of peace, and prosperity, not just to one group of people, but to everybody. Everybody who would call upon the name of the Lord. When we pray this prayer, we are praying that that this kingdom, this reality, would come in and through us, through his believers, through his followers, through those people who have said yes to Jesus. We're saying, hey, use us in this, that God would use us to be a part of the healing of the world. Because he doesn't need us in glory like, he doesn't need our help when we get to heaven. It's perfect. It's done. We get to sit there and worship God all day long. But Christians, the local church, we are God's plan A for the world. We are God's plan A for reaching the entire world. And it's our opportunity, it's our responsibility to do so. So when we pray, your will be done on earth. We're praying about where we live right now here on earth. That today, in my life, in my circumstances, in my oikos, that your will would be done. That God's will would be done. There's a theologian by the name of, uh, of Thomas Long. He says this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, brings us right back to, and he says it this way, to the pew where we sit, to the shop where we work, to the relationships where we struggle to be responsible, to the place where we try to serve. See, there is in this prayer, in this prayer, there is a connection between God's work and our work on earth. We pray that we will be faithful to that calling. I hope that we will be faithful as a church to that calling, to be part of God's work. So this prayer has to lead us then to ask ourselves, who then is my neighbor in need? How can I bring healing in relationships? How am I called to be part of God's work? What am I doing to further the kingdom of God here? Now, as I've thought about my grandma and I've thought about her crocheting, um, I continue to think about how much crafting really is, and even as I was preparing this message, even is a ton like preparing a message or a sermon or writing a book or whatever it may be. Okay, but for me, as I write a sermon, I write word by word, I write line by line, and then I do my best to kind of go with the flow as things, as things kind of come at me. And oftentimes it can be slow, it can be agonizing, there's research that's involved, there's writing, there's rewriting, there's making sure that your transitions are tight, there's all of those different things. And anyone who's ever prepared a message can probably identify with that. Okay, but living in this world of pain and suffering with huge gaps 
between even the Republican and the Democratic Party, between the rich, between the poor, between the hungry, the well-fed, the hurting, and the well-off, we can easily feel anxious. Right? But the good news is that God's kingdom is already at work among us and will eventually come to all its fullness. Word by word, line by line, stitch by stitch, seed by seed, slowly in process because we've not yet arrived. And all the while, we need to recognize that our role is to pray for the coming of the kingdom of God and to do our little part, word by word, line by line, stitch by stitch, row by row. And so oftentimes finding freedom from anxiety requires us to be found, or, or requires, us to, requires hope rather, to be found in our circumstances requires us to recognize that, hey, these are my present circumstances, but I know the kingdom of God is in process. I know that we'll get there eventually. And so because of the fact that we're going to get there eventually, I have hope that my current circumstances are not my future circumstances because I know, I know that his kingdom is coming. His kingdom is here and it's continuing to come. So my present circumstances are not my reality. They are today, but they're not for my future. So we have to recognize there's hope in that future. Because the Lord's Prayer is a prayer of trust, it's a prayer of hope, and it's all of those things tied up towards God's future for God's people. Right? Hope lies in trusting that God is not yet finished with us and that God is not yet finished with this world. And the immediacy of God's kingdom we experience now will one day give way to the reality of the not yet to God's future. That just because we're not there yet doesn't mean that we're not on our way. No more suffering. No more tears. No more death. And we recognize what that, what that peace, what that hope kind of looks like. Revelation 21.4 says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Future hope. Kingdom of God. The old things are gone. The new have come. Or being able to simply have peace and recognizing that at the end of the day, Jesus is still in control. As Isaiah 25, 9 tells us, in that day they will, sur- they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. We trusted him. We had hope in him. And he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. We have hope. So when we feel anxious, we have hope. We look to the future. Not our current circumstances, but where God is saying we're going to end up. In his kingdom forever. And in the meantime, until that day, we need to place our lives and this world completely in God's hands completely in God's hands. We take it stitch by stitch, row by row, word by word, line by line, one day at a time. And in trust, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So 
What is the church's responsibility in this? Responsibility one, pray. And if you haven't heard that before, welcome to church for the first time. Responsibility number one, the church has to pray. But beyond that, the church needs to act according to the hope that we have in Christ, not in the anxiety that we have in our current state. We are hopeful for the kingdom that is to come. You know, we posted this week on our Facebook page uh, an image that simply said, pray, vote, pray. That's all it said, pray, vote, pray. And I'm going to continue to talk about the election a little bit, right? Because people are anxious over the future of our country. Unless you've been hiding under a rock for the last year. Okay, there has been some sort of worry or concern from someone, at the very least someone you know, probably from you as well, about the future direction of our country. And I hope that first off, like I've said in the past, that you voted, but, but that you voted like a Christian on no, November 3rd, and more importantly, that you continue to act like a Christian on November 4th. Regardless of the outcome, that we would continue to act as such. Because as I prayed earlier, the nation in which we live needs a church that is, isn't pointing people to political candidates. It's a nation that needs the church pointing people straight to the hope that we have in Jesus. Is the political process important in America? Yes, absolutely it is. I hope you voted. That being said, the primary concern of the church is not a political party. The primary concern of the church is pointing people to hope that we have in Jesus regardless of the anxiety that they're currently feeling. And I'll be the first to admit, man, this, this election season has tied me up in knots. Completely and totally tied me up at night, hoping for what I hope is best, checking the major news outlets, checking on Twitter, trying to figure out what's next in our country like I'm some sort of private detective in some way. You know, Sarah told me last night as, I was, as we were sitting there and watching some of the returns at home, right, during dinner time, uh, she told me that, hey, God has already ordained all of this. God has already ordained who will be in charge of our country. We've done everything we can possibly do. She redirected me. She reminded me that we have a hope in a future kingdom regardless of current circumstances. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But even with that incredible reminder, I continue to investigate like we all do. I continue to run numbers. I continue to look up conspiracy theories. And at the end of the day, all I got was fewer answers than what I had hoped and more anxious because I was more concerned with the here and now than I was with the kingdom of God that is both now and in the future. I tied myself up in knots because of it. It was sinful. Because I went to anxiety, I went to worry before I went to prayer. Church, we have to remember that our job is to represent Christ to the world first and foremost. And that can clearly be seen in how we respond to the circumstances that are currently swirling around us. Whether that's the whole year 2020, whether that's how you feel about living in the state that we live in, whether that's the elections that are currently going on, whatever it may be, the way that we respond to the circumstances that are currently surrounding us is how the world understands that the church operates. 
We're plan A. We are God's plan A for the world. To show the world who his son is and to show the world that we have a hope and it is a both current and future hope in his kingdom that his son established the minute he set foot on earth. I would just encourage you, church, start your day and end your day with the assurance of prayer that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray. And again, at the end of this prayer, I would encourage you guys to, uh, to join me in the recitation of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to have the guys put up Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 on the screen again. Um, and uh, I, will, I will lead into it by saying thank you for your son who taught us how to pray. And then we'll go straight, straight to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we do thank you for today. And God, I continue to commit our country into your hands, regardless of by the time this shows, if, if we do have a, a, a winner of the presidential election or not. God, our country is divided. And there's a whole lot of us who are placing our hope in places that we shouldn't have hope. that we're placing our hope in blue states or red states or senators or assemblymen or whatever. God, I pray that we would recognize that it's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, both now and in the future. So God, I pray that we would be cognizant of that. And Lord, if there's those here who are just, you know what, Jesus, he did set up his kingdom he did come to establish that reign. He did came, come for us to be able to recognize that none of this is a surprise, that God is completely and totally sovereign. And so I want to say yes to him for the first time. I would just ask that you pray the ABCs along with me. That's what we call them. Just say, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, that I've fallen short. I've fallen into worry and anxiety before I've gone to prayer. I recognize that that's sinful. I recognize that maybe it's, I, I've placed my hope in places where I shouldn't place hope. That there's not a single political candidate who's the savior of the world. God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I be, I believe that you sent your son, God, to die on the cross for my sins. And not only did you send him to die, but he also conquered death. so that we could be with you forever, so that we would have that future kingdom forever. And so I believe that. And Father, see, I choose to follow you every single day. And that really does come down to what it, what it is that I'm putting my hope into. That I would consistently wake up and say to myself, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, we thank you. And we thank you for your son who taught us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.